Today is January 19th, and you're listening to the fourth episode of the Huddle Breakers podcast. This podcast is perfect for entertainment and discussions covering everything sports-related. Today, we're going to have a quicker, uh, more concise episode for you guys. Not going to be anything uh, too long, but at the same time, we're still going to have a good uh, you know, hefty, you know, good portion of topics for you guys to indulge in today. As Jake mentioned on the fourth episode of Huddle Breakers on this um, wonderful Friday, January 19, 2024. Uh, it's been a super cold week, but we're still, you know, we made it through. We made it to Friday. So that's a great thing. And our first topic for this Friday evening is going to be the Falcons shooting for the stars and the Atlanta Falcons uh, recently have interviewed not only Bill Belichick the former Patriots coach but also the uh, you know current Michigan head coach coming off of a national championship win Jim Harbaugh and you know, the Falcons obviously with just these two guys have made it very clear that they are not going to settle for anything but the best to, you know, replace Arthur Smith in this coaching, um, you know, opening that they have. So I'm, as a Falcons fan, I'm very excited to just witness whoever we sign and to just be able to know that with how it looks right now, we're going to be in good shape for at least the next three to five years with whoever we hire most likely. So that's, you know, very exciting for me as a Falcons fan, but it's also good to see that we're not just going to be complacent like we have in the last two years, because I know some people were excited with the Arthur Smith hire, but I'm not going to lie. I didn't know who Arthur Smith was when he got hired as the coach, but when you bring names like Bill Belichick and uh, and Jim Harbaugh into the conversation, you know, it just makes everything more interesting. Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned it all. Um, the Falcons, um, as you said, they're shooting for the stars right now. Um, they they interviewed um Bill Belichick twice and uh Jim Harbaugh twice. You know. I think out of those two coaches, you know, Bill Belichick has the best resume as a coach, you know, with his six Super Bowl titles at uh, uh, New England. Um, but I think you would rather want, uh, in my opinion, uh, a coach like Jim Harbaugh because fresh out of that national championship win, um, I think he's going to be be really good, um, you know, if the Falcons sign him. To really rebuild and revitalize that that franchise that's been struggling a uh, few a few years. I think uh, interesting thing to note is that uh, Bill Belichick has now become the favorite to, you know, really get the Falcons' head coaching opening with the Falcons scheduling a second interview with Bill Belichick. Um, and Arthur Blank already had one with him one-on-one, but now it's going to be 
another interview this weekend with uh, Falcons Brass. You know, after, like I said, he already met with Arthur one-on-one. And that was reported about, you know, nine hours, um, you know, earlier from about this time on Thursday. So, you know, and then the Falcons interviewed uh, Jim Harbaugh, I believe, on the 16th. So that is uh, what is looking like right now. The two front-running candidates, I think we can all say, are Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick more Bill Belichick at the top spot now that they're scheduling a second interview with him. It could be today, could be Saturday, could be Sunday. We really don't know. I just said over the weekend. So I guess we just have to see how things unfold. Um, But yeah, like I said, the bottom line is I'm super excited, whoever the Falcons bring in, because it's clear that we're going to definitely not, you know, just settle for anything. So. Yeah, I saw an article uh, today, and uh, I was watching ESPN earlier today, and it said that, um, you know, what you mentioned, that Bill Belichick is the lead runner right now for the Atlanta Falcons coaching position. But I also saw that Jim Harbaugh is the leading front runner for the Los Angeles Chargers head coaching job. So we could, you know, possibly see, like, our predictions um, – Back in episode one, where that Jim Harbaugh would definitely be leaving uh, Michigan, you know, that's becoming true and true uh, every single day now when we get more news and more updates about this coaching carousel and this coaching craziness going on in the NFL right now. Um, But to wrap up things with the Falcons, like, both of these coaches have amazing careers um, behind them, and I think. I think if the Falcons sign one of these, they can be contenders because I think the this Falcons team, they're not a bad team. Like, this is a team that was two, three wins away from the playoffs. And, and like, they have great players. They have a promising future ahead with B. John Robinson, Tyler Algier, Drake London, Kyle... Uh, Kyle Pitts, like, this team is young. I mean, then they have some veteran stars on defense like Jesse Bates. And and I just think this this Falcons team, you get a good coach behind the wheel of it, and you make some good pickups and free agency, maybe some good trades and get some good draft picks, then you're, you're setting yourself up for success for the next upcoming years because you already have a bright future ahead of you. So I think, um, you know, signing one of these coaches can definitely make the Atlanta Falcons contenders, not just, you know, in the NFC South and NFC. I think they can actually be legit contenders because this team is very talented. It's just been very unstable these past few years. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Very unstable at the coaching position. Uh, I think since we went to the Super Bowl and, you know, had Dan Quinn as the coach, it's been like a shaky roller coaster kind of. And now, you know, you see Dan Quinn, he's with uh, the Dallas Cowboys as of right now as a defensive coordinator. But I don't think anybody's safe right now besides Mike McCarthy, because, you know, obviously it's confirmed that he will not be like getting fired or, 
Jerry Jones is deciding to stick with him for at least one more year. And I think that's kind of generous considering the way that the Cowboys exited the 2023 NFL playoffs because I think Jerry Jones could have easily made the decision and said, uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and uh, just fire him because, you know, we worked too hard. We went 12-5 and in the regular season. We really sacrificed too much, you know, to just go out like this. That could have easily been the mindset that Jerry Jones possessed during the you know during that time but he decided to be gracious and give Mike McCarthy one more shot at least um and we'll see if Mark McCarthy is able to deliver on that at least with one playoff one next year you know um and it's kind of also interesting that the Cowboys lost at home as the number two seed theoretically they had the easiest matchup first round wise so it's kind of like you know, it's very interesting, but I'm I'm still am surprised that Jerry Jones decided to stick with Mike McCarthy. But on to the next topic of today's episode. Um, you know, we're gonna continue to talk about the NFL because I feel like it's one of the hottest topic topics in sports right now, with the Super Bowl getting closer each and every week. And now we are officially about three weeks away from Super Bowl sixty three. And um we're going to just continue to talk about though we're gonna, today we're going to talk about our division round picks after we talk about the first two um or the last two uh wild card games that took place on Monday January 15th MLK day and the first game obviously Bills and Steelers that day the Bills dominated 31 to 17 and, you know, the Bills pretty much dominated that game from start to finish. I think the Steelers were trailing the entire 60 minutes. It was uh, an environment that most teams don't you know, do well in, and the Steelers didn't do well in it at all. And I feel like we all expected that. You know what I'm saying? Buffalo, as the number two seed, I feel like they did what the Cowboys should have done to the Packers. Um, But we'll see – the Bills advancing to the divisional round. Me and Jake were both correct with that game. We both picked the Bills. I picked the Bills to win by 14. Jake picked the Bills to win by, I believe, uh, 21. But, yeah. And then with the game later in the day, we had Buccaneers and Eagles. Remember, I flipped my pick last minute. Jake did not flip his pick. I actually ended up being right with that because the Buccaneers absolutely curb-stomped the Eagles. They beat them uh, by over 20 points, and it was just it was just a crazy, you know, game. Because I know a lot of people who had thought the Eagles were going to easily win that game, and I believe Tampa Bay at home was three-point underdogs, uh, you know, despite winning, I think, three games to end the regular season or something like that. But Tampa Bay, they just came ready to play, and the Eagles didn't. Like I said, A.J. Brown didn't play their best receiver. That could have made an impact on the game. But the fact of the matter is the Eagles only mustered nine points the entire game. So it's kind of hard to beat anybody when you score nine points. Um, Yeah, I think if you're an Eagles fan, it's just disappointing. The Eagles went from 10-1 and one to 1-and-done one this playoff season. And 
after the first round of of you know playoffs, the wild card games. Jake went three and three with his picks. I went three and three with my picks. So now we're basically back even going into the divisional round. So Jake, do you want to take it away and give your divisional round picks? Yeah, I, I would love to. And before I give my divisional round picks, you you really summarize it up. You know, going into our podcast on Monday and the one before that uh, on that that previous Friday. I continuously said that the Buffalo Bills were the hottest team in football. And after watching the game against the Steelers, I completely agree. Um, Because the offense that Buffalo had was fantastic uh, that game. You know, you can can say that the Steelers didn't have T.J. Watt. It would have been a completely different game with T.J. Watt. Yet that might be true. The, the Buffalo Bills offense was just producing on many levels, which was fantastic to see as a Buffalo Bills fan myself. Now, we're going to mix this right in, and we're just going to go straight in to my original picks, and we're going to start off with what I think is the game of the week. And that is uh, on Sunday at 6.30, we have the Kansas City Chiefs going to Orchard Park, Highmark Stadium to play the Buffalo Bills. Now, there's going to be no bias here. In the past, with the Buffalo Bills playing the Kansas City Chiefs in the in the playoffs, things have not been good. And especially as a Buffalo fan, um, I I don't I don't like it. Um, but I think this is the year that we're not playing an Arrowhead this year. We're playing at our home. And I think that we're going to take care of business and we're going to go ahead and beat the Chiefs at home to book our spot in the AFC uh, Conference Championship. Um, And so that's my pick. And then, Jalen, I'm going to send it to you for your pick on this game. Uh, Jake, you decided to really start off with the toughest pick. I feel like this game is most definitely the toughest pick. I mean... We're down to eight teams now in the playoffs, but this game just seems like the intensity is a little bit higher. Every game in the playoffs has high intensity, but this game, I feel, is going to have extra, extra intensity, especially considering the way that that last game in the regular season matchup between the Chiefs and the Bills ended. Now, if you watch that game, we all know how it ended. It was a third down play, I believe, and Patrick Mahomes threw the ball to Travis Kelsey across the middle. Now, Travis Kelsey picked up the first down, but there was something he did after. He threw a lateral before he got tackled to Kadarius Toney, which is legal because he threw the ball behind him. Kadarius Toney caught this lateral from Travis Kelsey, ended up taking it all the way to the house because he was, I mean, there was nobody near him. And it was a great heads-up play by Travis Kelsey. Most considerate, the best non-scoring you know, play of the season because it was nullified by the penalty, which is a very controversial penalty, but it's the greatest play of this season that didn't count, in my opinion, and a lot of others' opinions as well. Um, because in that type of situation, 
your head's on a swivel like that, I mean, that just shows how great of a player Travis Kelsey really is. And then Kadarius Tony to even be like expecting that, you know, he was ready and he was even looking in the direction of Travis Kelsey because, you know, with stuff like that, it's very risky because not only um, do you have to make sure that you're on the same page, but if you drop that pass, that lateral, that ball becomes a live ball, meaning that if it's recovered by the other team, that is a turnover. So if that ball, let's say it wasn't caught by Kadarius Tony and it just trickled backwards, I mean, it, it's only, uh, you know, we can only imagine what would have happened had Kadarius Tony not caught that ball. But either way, the play didn't count because it was a penalty. Kadarius Tony, who actually scored the touchdown, was, you know, his foot was clearly offside, but at the same time, you just got to think, are we really going to call an offside penalty in that type of situation? And the refs decided to end up calling it. I just feel like if it was offsides, why even let the play run in the first place? Because usually offsides are called prior to the play and the play is blown dead. They let the play go. And I just feel like if you're going to let the play go, you don't need to throw the penalty flag. That's just me. Just mark it up as a missed call. But at the same time, the refs decided they wanted to go back. But I feel like if something else like that happened, as a referee, if you don't blow a dead and you let the play play out, then let it play out. That's my that's my opinion. But everybody's entitled to their own opinion. And I know Jake, he was probably happy about that as a Bills fan, but you know, like I said, it just it depends on what your take is. Anyway, to this game's actual pick, I already know the Chiefs are gonna be extra motivated. And I know who specifically on that team will be extra motivated. And that's this one man by the name of Patrick Mahomes, who also happens to play quarterback, who also happens to be a top five quarterback in the NFL. Now, we arguably have a matchup between two of the best quarterbacks in the league. I consider both of them top five quarterbacks right now. Um, and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Um, and I think it's going to be a great game. I think this game has a potential to go into overtime. It is a really tough pick for me, but I know Jake said that the Bills are the hottest team in football, but at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes is just at a different level in January. And I know the game's in Buffalo, but it's hard for me to pick against a Super Bowl champion. No disrespect to Josh Allen. He hasn't won a Super Bowl yet, though. And... I know that he's at home, and I would love for him to prove me wrong. But as of right now, I got to go with the Chiefs, maybe in an overtime thriller. But I still feel like the Chiefs, with that head coaching experience and level and Andy Reid, and then followed by great quarterback play, great tight end. And, you know, you saw that defense, what they did to the Dolphins, who have a very explosive offense, let's be honest. We saw what they did to them, holding them to seven points. I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to hold the Bills to seven points, but I am saying that the Chiefs are going to be playing at a different level. And then they're going to have extra motivation because of the way that their last matchup ended. But I'm going to take the Chiefs advancing to the AFC Championship game. Um, And then for our next game that we're going to be covering, the second divisional round game, in the playoffs is going to be Packers versus 49ers on Saturday night at 
the Green Bay Packers, who coming off of that upset of the number two seed, now has to travel to the number one seed, San Francisco 49ers, and play them. Um, I feel like this is this should be a no-brainer, but at the same time, you can't ignore what the Packers just did. The Packers pulled off one of the craziest upsets of last weekend, if not the craziest, besides Buccaneers and Eagles. So the Packers, they have nothing to lose. They didn't even they weren't even expected to make it past round one. Some didn't even expect them to make the playoffs. So I think the Packers, you can't count them out, but at the same time, the 49ers on rest. I know the 49ers have choked in the playoffs before, but I can't pick against a team who dominated at the NFC like they did. So I'm going to take 49ers by a touchdown at home. Yeah, I think I think that's a smart pick. Um, the 49ers, you can argue that they're the hottest team in football. Um, you know, of course, we didn't see them play last week because they were the number one team in the NFC and got that bye week. Um, but just like you said, I can't pick a team that has Christian McCaffrey, who's playing at an MVP level right now. If Lamar Jackson was not playing at the level he's at, I think... Christian McCaffrey is definitely in that MVP race. Then you have two great wideouts in, in Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuka. Brandon Ayuka has had an amazing uh, season. As Debo has not had the best production, um, Brandon Ayuka has stepped up. And then you have a veteran uh, pro ball, um, you know, you might say future Hall of Famer, tied in and George Kittle. And even though they have a young quarterback, you know, and Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy and, and company, they get the job done here against the Packers. I know the Packers just made an historic upset against the the, the Cowboys because I didn't think myself that the, the Packers would, would even make the playoffs going into week 18. And to see them making the playoffs and then, and then beating the number two Cowboys, which hadn't lost a game at home all year. The Cowboys at home... You can argue we're the hottest team in football because they never lost at home. Um, but the Packers, Jordan Love and, and Aaron Jones came in. But I think this is a different team than the Cowboys. Their defense, you have Chase Young, Nick Bosa coming off the edge. Jordan Love is going to get a lot of pressure this game. And I don't think he can handle it. You know, he's very young, hasn't been in this scenario before. This is his first real year. Um, as a starter, even though he has three years under his belt. So I'm t- going to take the, the, the Niners here. And then jumping back over to the AFC. This, this guys, people may think that this game between the Houston Texans and the Baltimore Ravens is going to be a blowout because the Baltimore Ravens have been blowing out pretty much everyone all year. The Baltimore Ravens are one of the best teams, if not the best team in football, if you look at the the span of the entire year. They have, in my opinion, the MVP winner, Lamar Jackson, as quarterback. Um, they have great weapons that Lamar is surrounded with. But I'm going to go with my wild card pick here. Give me the rookie, C.J. Stroud. 
going into Baltimore, Maryland on 4.30 on Saturday and upsetting Lamar Jackson and company to end their historic season. Lamar Jackson may have won the MVP, but he is not going to be winning the divisional round of the playoffs because give me C.J. Stroud, the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Give me C.J. Stroud. Oh, my God. I was not expecting that. I can tell you that. If anything, I think I would have expected you to take the Packers over the 49ers, but the Texans over the Ravens, I would have never expected that. Now, this is interesting because you got Lamar Jackson. We all know what happened the last time in 2019 when the Baltimore Ravens got the number one seed and that they – I think they got complacent. Lamar Jackson was four years younger than he is now. He did not know what a playoff atmosphere even looked like or a playoff intensity even looked like. Right. This is when Lamar Jackson was just really reaching the reaching, starting to reach his potential as a quarterback. And he decided to come into that game. Obviously, they were going to be confident, but they didn't know what they were going to face. Derrick Henry had one of the best performances of his career in the postseason that night in Baltimore. It was in Baltimore because Baltimore was coming off of a bye. And Tennessee came in there and beat them by over 20 points. So if history repeats itself, the Baltimore Ravens could be in trouble. But here's why I don't think that's going to happen. Baltimore has been, I think, in my eyes, the most dominant team in the NFL. And I feel like this team plays better when they play better teams. They don't play down to the level of competition. They play up. So I think that's the thing that separates the Ravens from everybody else. And I love the fact that you decided to be bold and pick against them. But at the same time, I've been listening closely, watching closely to what Lamar, the leader of this team, has been saying. Because he knows, just like everybody else, what happened the last time the Baltimore Ravens were in this position. And Lamar, his goal is to win a Super Bowl. I think we talked about this before, but Lamar Art has made it clear that he does not care what it takes. He just wants to win a Super Bowl. And with that being said, it's hard for me to sit here and say that a rookie quarterback with one playoff game under his belt is going to come into Baltimore, which is going to be rocking. I'm going to be loud at 4.30 on Saturday. It's hard for me to say that he's going to be able to come in there and do that. Now, yes, as much as an incredible feat as it would be, realistically, I just can't see it taking place. As much as I would love to say, yeah, C.J. Stroud is going to go prove everybody wrong, I think he's already proved what he needs to prove this postseason. He's proved that he's going to be great as long as he stays healthy and that he stays, you know, obviously out of trouble, you know, outside of football. But 
I just think Lamar has prepared his whole career for this moment. And I don't think that he's going to let anybody take that away from him, especially not a rookie. No disrespect to C.J. Stroud. And um, and I think the Texans had a great season, regardless of the outcome of this game, whether they win, whether they tie. I mean, obviously they can't tie, but whether they win or whether they lose, I think the Texans had a great year. And I actually am going to be keeping my eye on them because I think they're the most exciting team in the NFL right now, without a doubt. Um, them and the Packers, but I think the Texans are a little bit more exciting given that they have a rookie quarterback right now. Um, and then going to the last divisional matchup that we have not covered, the Buccaneers and the Lions. So this game for me, I think it's probably the easiest pick, the most sure pick for me, because the 49ers could choke. The uh, Chiefs, could easily lose in, in Buffalo, right? And then the uh, Texans could possibly beat the Ravens, but I think this is the easiest pick for me. The Lions just broke a playoff drought of like 30 years without a playoff win, some crazy. And then you got Jared Goff playing at a very high level, this running back core playing at a high level, this defense playing at a high level. And... I just really don't think that the Buccaneers are going to be able to take this show on the road. The Lions and the Buccaneers played in the regular season in Tampa Bay, and the Lions beat the Buccaneers 20-6. to So just imagine, that was in October. So just imagine what's going to happen. The Lions are more complete. They're more locked in than they have been all season. And this is an easy pick for me. I'm taking Lions by at least... 10 points. I think this is going to be the like biggest win by any team in the division round with the, for the Lions. Yeah, um you know you you mentioned uh their their game in the regular season where where Detroit won. Um but we saw this Detroit team struggle with um with the with the Rams and I thought the Rams Last week was we're, we're gonna go. Matthew Stafford's gonna have a game of his life and beat and beat the Lions. Which Matthew Stafford put a great game. They just couldn't convert, you know, those uh, red zone attempts and the touchdowns. They went over three for touchdowns, three for three for field goals, but then you know lost by one point. But I don't know. They might have lost bad in the regular season, but I'm feeling bold today. I think the comeback player of the year, in my opinion, Baker Mayfield, is going to go into into Detroit. Detroit, you might have won your first playoff game in 30 years. But that's going to be the only one you're going to win this year. Because Tampa Bay is going to make their Cinderella run into the conference championship to play the San Francisco 49ers. And so give me the comeback player of the year, Baker Mayfield. Everyone doubted this man going into this past season, and he's proved he's he's had great results for the Buccaneers. And this Buccaneers team barely made the playoffs. But after that win last week against the Eagles, I want the Buccaneers. Okay. Okay. 
Jake, you have made now two very, very interesting picks. But we're gonna let Jake, you know, we're gonna let him let him have it. And we're gonna see. But those are those are the picks, guys. So we'll see what our records are after this week in the playoffs. Right now we're both sitting at three and three. We'll see who can take the upper hand in the playoffs. Um I picked the Lions, the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the 49ers. On the other hand, Jake picked the Buccaneers to upset the Lions, the Texans to upset the Ravens, the Bills to beat the Chiefs at home, and then he also picked the 49ers. So the 49ers game is the only game that we both agreed on. Every other game, we picked the opposite team. So for sure this week, somebody's going to be you know, ahead in the in the record wise, you know, and somebody's not, you know, basically going to be far behind. So it's going to be interesting. But Jake is very he really does expect a couple big upsets to happen this divisional um, division around weekend. But I know one thing we're all going to be watching. So for our final topic of the day, we have some NBA news, and I feel like the biggest of all is Pascal Siakam being traded to the Indiana Pacers for Bruce Brown, Jordan Nawara, and I believe three first round draft picks. So what this move means for me, I think for the Pacers is that they're going all in, right? They really want to make a deep playoff run this year with Halliburton coming back off of, you know, his grade one hamstring strain very soon. You got um, some players like Buddy Hill. You got guys like Obi Toppin who've been playing their role to the T, you know, recent. And I just feel like this team, they are one of the teams that are probably not on everybody's radar right now in terms of contenders, but... I feel like with this move, you have to start taking this team a little bit more seriously in that aspect. But I'm going to give it to Jake and see how he feels about this. Yeah, Pascal Siakam, he's he's a he's an all-star. All-star caliber player. And for the Pacers to be trading for him, um like you said they're going all in uh for this for this uh run. I don't think this is a good move on the Pacers' part because I don't think a guy like Pascal Siakam is going to bring so much for your franchise. Um, and and the Pacers pretty much gave away their entire um their future. They had two first round picks going into next year's draft, which can land you two great prospects to make your team young, but make your team a lot better. And I think you wait another year, your team, you get two good prospects, your team is now more set for the future. But the Pacers organization, Larry Bird and them, they're they're not waiting for the future. They're going for now. And Pascal Siakam, uh, He's a great player. Uh, I can't. I, I don't really have anything bad about Pascal Siakam. I just think this was a bad move. Um, 
for uh for the Pacers. But we can see now the Toronto Raptors definitely in a rebuilding stage uh for them. Um but I think with these two first round picks and their picks they have uh, like their own picks they have they can get a really good core um with with um with RJ Barrett I mean I just don't think it's it's the best for the Toronto Raptors I mean the best for the Pacers but I think um I think Toronto definitely won this trade as they they are rebuilding, um, and they can they can build around their their centerpiece of Scotty Barnes and and R J Barrett that core. So it's going to be interesting to see how this this trade shapes out going into the future um, of of this of the season and seeing the results that Pascal Siakam is bringing with the Pacers. And like you said, with Tyrese Halliburton coming back, this Pacers team could look very scary. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how they are. Yeah, for sure. And uh, on to the next major NBA headline. Um, I'm sure if you follow sports, not even just the NBA, but if you follow sports in general, You've probably heard of what happened with the Warriors assistant coach. Um, I believe it was two days ago and um, maybe a little bit. Yeah, two days ago. And his name is Dijon Milo or Milo Jovic. And he had a decorated 15 year playing slash coaching career. And the Serbian native, he joined the Golden State Warriors staff not too long ago in 2021. And he suffered a heart attack in Utah, I believe, three days ago. And it was announced that he was dead about two days ago. And it's just really sad to see that such a beloved figure in the whole NBA, not just for the Warriors, but the whole NBA is grieving and suffering the loss of um of uh Dijon Milojevic. And uh I, I hope I'm saying his name right, but if I'm not, apologize to anybody who is Serbian. But it's just like I said, very uh very heartbreaking situation, I'm sure, for the whole NBA and especially the Warriors and those players that had a personal connection uh, to this guy. And he wasn't an old guy. You know, I know there's some coaches that are like 60, 70, some even 80 years old still coaching in sports. But this guy, he hadn't even reached 50 years old yet. I mean, this guy was only 46. This is something that was on CNN, Fox News. NBC, sports, you know, all a bunch of media. Like, this is not just a sports headline, but this is, like, one of the top headlines in the world. So I think it's important that we just 
take a, a, a second here to just talk about the uh, importance of this and the you know impact that it has on everybody. Yeah, um, it's 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 crazy to to see him go. Our condolences here at Huddle Breakers are with his friends and family. Um, we know losing somebody, and I've heard he was a great guy on and off the court. Um, losing someone like that, it's, it's very hard, and for the entire uh, com- like community of basketball, um, it's it's really devastating. Um, so we hope, we hope, uh, his friends and family would give all of our condolences here. Um, and you know, it's, it's very sad to see, um, this and, uh, it's, uh, it's crazy. Uh, here, the Toronto Raptors coach said he was a role model as a player as a man, as a husband, and as a coach. And he was somebody that he really admired and had tons of respect for. Uh, the Toronto's coach, uh, Darko Rajakovic, said. Um, so it's, uh, it's very sad to see. And here the Sacramento Kings coach, Mike Brown, said not only was he an extremely talented coach, he was an even better player. So our condolences here um, go out to his wife, Natasha, and their children, Nicola, Nicola, and, and, and Massa, and, and all, all of everyone who's, who's known the guy. Our condolences are, are to y'all. Um, we're very sorry uh, for his loss. Um, it's very devastating. Yes, yes, it is. And um, other NBA news. Um, I think we just got to talk about the Lakers to end today's episode. We know Jake. We know how much you love LeBron, and uh, he. Uh, you know, obviously, he's your favorite player. But the Lakers recently have been trying to make moves around the trade deadline, which is approaching um, very quickly. Um, The NBA trade deadline is February 8th. So that's about, give or take, two weeks. A little bit, maybe a little bit over two weeks, but somewhere around that time frame. So what that means for NBA teams like the Lakers is that the time to make a move is uh, is now, really. The Lakers, they beat the Mavericks two days ago on Wednesday. And they now sit at 21-21. and 21, And they play tonight at 10.30 p.m. against the Nets at home. And I think you know, the Lakers, they're sitting currently at 10th place with a two-game lead, or a one-game lead, excuse me, over the Houston Rockets. So for them, I think they have to get above 500, first of all. And also they have to make sure that whatever moves they make, that it's actually intentional and that whatever moves they make, it's actually going to help them for their playoff run. Because 
a lot of team a lot of times teams make moves, but we end up seeing that they don't end up actually helping the team in the long run. So we'll see if the Lakers are able to do something that helps them. Yeah, um the Lakers, you know, in the beginning of the season we were we were hot. We were a hot team. We came out and we won the in season tournament and ever since we got that in season tournament win, it feels like we just haven't found the success like we did earlier in the year. But I mean we've stayed five hundred, um as of right now. You said they are twenty one twenty one and we are ranked tenth. In the West, which is the last playing spot, um, but I hope uh, I hope they can make some moves to to give some of the boys some help. Um, hope Austin Reeves and and D'Lo they step up and uh, hopefully I mean get this team back on the road and. Uh, and get this team on the winning end again so we can make a good uh, playoff push. And, and hopefully after the All-Star break, this team can get real hot as the hope. Well, that's going to conclude today's episode. We hope that you enjoyed the fourth episode of, or one, rather, the Huddle Breakers and we're going to continue to come guys with great content and we're going to soon very soon be implementing some things into our episodes to make them more fun and interactive and engaging for you guys so me and jake will be brainstorming some ideas about how we can make this podcast a little bit just more on the fun side and things that just captivate you guys's uh you know attention a little bit and they that will help increase our reach here at Huddle Breakers. But we will see you guys on Tuesday, the 23rd. And cannot wait to get back with you guys. But please share this episode to anybody who you know is lo- just loves sports and loves to, uh, you know, learn new stuff every day. So. Uh, Like I said, we'll have our next episode coming out Tuesday, January 23rd. Be sure to, you know, if you like this episode, post it on social media and tag us at Huddle Breakers, all lowercase, no spaces, no special symbols. And if you're not already following us on social media platforms that are followable, be sure to do that because we got clips coming out on TikTok, on IG so and on Twitter as well I believe we should be having clips come out on there so just be sure if you do have any of these social media platforms make sure to tap in with us and let us know if you also have any feedback or suggestions to give to us and we highly highly appreciate any support slash feedback of any type um, but yeah, until next time, it's your two co-hosts, Jalen and Jake, on Huddle Breakers, and we are out.